Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. I'm sure for our loyals of loyalist listeners, you guys are disappointed to hear my voice back on the call to kick it off. I know Dan and Colin absolutely killed that episode. I enjoyed listening to it, and I'm sure each and every one of you that tuned in did as well because it was just a ton of good content. So if you're just tuning into this episode, uh, make sure you go back. And if you want to hear a minor leaguer's perspective on how important the CBA is and how important pay increases for for those guys and kind of almost elongating your career almost and and making those decisions a little bit easier to to have a livable wage it it was a really good episode and and Colin really got into the nitty-gritty and the detail on that so make sure you're checking out that episode uh it was a really good one Dan and Colin killed it but uh Dan how we doing on this fine uh Thursday evening excited for this pod uh thank you for your kind words I appreciate it of course Um, it felt weird without you steering the ship a little bit, not going to lie. But uh, I'm dragging. I'm going to be honest. I'm dragging a little bit here. It's like almost the weekend. I'm uh, feeling sluggish. Yeah. I know you are got, too because you were really – you were yeah. antsy to get this going. So I know, I know you're yeah, tired Yeah, I was. Too. I was. Yeah, well – I've been I've been talking for thirty minutes already and just got off the phone. Some important business calls that we got going. So um super exciting news. But uh um yeah, so I'm already thirty minutes deep in a podcast episode, it feels like mentally. And I haven't even started talking about baseball. Uh, I'll try uh it's one of those it's like uh you know, it's like a day game after a late night game, getaway day. Yeah. You just got to dig a little I gotta, deeper. I, 
I got a day game tomorrow. We got Campbell University accepted students got to be at school at 7 a.m. So, which for me, that doesn't matter. That's 15 minute drive. I'm usually at the gym by 6.30 anyway. So it's just like, just skip the gym and go after work um, is going to be the, the, the uh, decision tomorrow. But um, got a quick turnaround here. So once we get this podcast out of the way, I'm going to shut it down. But, uh, It'll be yeah, good. let's get rolling then. We can get rolling. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Enough so of the, enough we're going to have a little fun talk. here. Yeah, enough of the small talk. We do enough of that um, throughout the week um, when we just when we just chat. But uh, we're going to have a little fun with this first segment. Um, obviously, as a podcast, you know, we, we think we're pretty smart, right, Dan? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. We, we I mean, obviously I mean, we, we think so. We think so. Um, we definitely think so. But uh, we're going to do a little where we were wrong segment um, here and, and kind of look at some of our outstanding takes from from the preseason and, and kind of get into to where we might have been wrong. So um, to no surprise to anybody who listens to this podcast with frequency, uh, kicking off this list is going to be Luisa Reyes and Preface this with the fact that I still think the Twins made out pretty well in the trade. Um, I still think the Marlins offense is not what it could be um, with that pitching staff, and it, they're kind of holding them back. But Luis Arias has been phenomenal through the beginning part of the year. I know you texted me after he hit for the cycle in Philadelphia and saying like, hey, man, I might have been wrong about that. I'm not willing to, to jump on the, the Luis Arias bandwagon because still some of his batted ball profiles – uh, aren't as good as you would think for a guy hitting 500 on the year. But I think there is some value to be said for the fact that Luis Arias knows how to put bat on ball and he specifically knows how to hit line drives over the infield. Yeah, I mean, look, it, his his swing was definitely more aggressive, um, has been more yeah. aggressive to start the year. than That's a good I point. Think- because he like looked that's twitchier what, in the World Baseball Classic. That, that's, so that's, that's correct. That's what's made me swing. Not necessarily the results. Because like you said, you look at the batted ball profile and his hard hit percentage still isn't there. His average exit velocity still isn't there. But like sometimes I think me and you are slave to baseball savant. Like just an example of this. I said this to you when we were on the phone last – I think it was last night, yesterday – and I was like, I don't understand Nick Castellanos because the guy's hitting 300. He leads the NL in doubles. And you look at his baseball savant page, and, and like, if you only trust that, you're like, well, this guy's not, this guy's still not good. And like, but Araya is everything else. And he does, like, his swing just looks so much more aggressive. And some of, like, his outs have been louder. You know, I felt like in Minnesota, he, it was, there wasn't loud contact ever. And it was just like a guy who's going to shoot the ball the other way. And like you said, he's mastered the line drive over the infield. Um, but now he's – twitchier is a good way to put it. But he he looks like he's getting his A swing off. Because I do think that there's something to be said for guys who manage the strike zone a lot. You lose a little bit of juice when you do that, right? Like that's why power yeah. hitting guys uh, strike out a lot, right? There's a lot of swing and miss in those guys because when, you, when you're getting your A swing off, sometimes you're going to come up empty. But Arias seemed to be a little bit more aggressive. Now, he could just be super dialed in to start the year, and that could come down to earth, and he's not going to hit 500. But like we, we talked about guys not holding up and repeating their years from last year, and he was one of them because of his batted ball profile. And like 
he's holding it more than a guy like Jeff McNeil, where it was like, well, we'll see how McNeil and Nimmo look, and they haven't gotten off to the hottest of starts. Um, but Arias has, and, and maybe he is just a, a three thirty hitter. Any opportunity to kill the Mets, um, I love it. I don't mean to be uh, doing that. I was just <laughs> off the top, right? Like they're bad. I'm, t- I'm, I'm giving you similar batted ball profile guys. I mean, I could give you a bunch. Of, like here's one yeah. Phillies fans. Bryson Stott isn't going to hit. I don't think Bryson Stott will hit 350 this year. He's hitting over 400. No. He's like you look at the way he hits, yeah. and it's like, yeah, he's a much better hitter than he was last year. And, you know, I don't think he had, like, I don't think he collected his ninth hit until, like, the end of June last year. And he's got, like, 17 already. So, but I just, my point yeah. being that, like, when you look at those guys, it's hard to put the ball in play soft and put consistent back-to-back years together. The only, and I, I say this all the time, and I'm, I don't think it's, Wrong by any strengths, but I don't think people appreciate it as much. The only correlation between exit velocity and batting average is the harder you hit it, the higher the exit or the har- the harder you hit it, the higher the batting average, right? So if you hit a ball at 117, it has more likely of a chance to be a hit. Right, that's it's you're increasing the probability. Speaking, that's all it is. Right. It's not yes, even like necessarily exactly. your batting average goes up. It's just that like the probability of your batting average goes up because it's well, harder to get to a ball that's speaking, hit that hard. Right. Yeah. Even statistically speaking, balls hit at 110 have a higher batting average than balls hit at 87. Correct. And that's where I die on these hills of the Jeff McNeils, the Luis Arias, is because I will sit there and bang on the table. Luis Arias could hit 300 for the next six years, and in year seven, I'm going to be previewing the Marlins that year and saying that Luis Arias is not a good player. I will. like That is a hill that I'm going to die on. But where this becomes a conversation is when Jose Altuve made his debut – he was a lot more Luis Arias than he was John Carlos Stan. And I'm <laughs> sure there were people out there that thought this Jose Altuve undersized, bat-to-ball focused, line drive hitting guy that hasn't shown that much power showed a little bit more power than Luis Arias has shown. He's de- he definitely showed more speed than Luis Arias has shown. Still like to see Luis Arias run a little um, to increase his value as a player. But – Jose Altuve's progression turned him into a power hitter. Is that what we're seeing with Luis Arias? I don't think so because he's having so much success. I couldn't imagine that he's going to start to sell out to hit for the occasional power. But I do think there is something that I've missed in the past that is like there is value in these guys that do come up and might not flash the elite exit velocities, but they have elite bat-to-ball skills. They continue to grow and learn as a hitter and start to develop into a more of a more well-rounded power hitter. I mean, you look at uh, Jose Altuve's baseball savant page, and for a guy who OPS 900 last year, like batted ball profiles were not very good, but what did he do well? He hit poolside bombs right to the pole in the Crawford boxes. Yeah, he had very average batted ball profiles as, as far as how hard, you know, hit hard hit percentage, barrel percentage, uh, average exit velocity. But I still think, yeah, so those guys can develop, that's for sure. Um, and I think Arias maybe will. And Arias 
kind of was always a bat to ball prospect and he was a guy who battled injuries, but I think there's going to be more doubles coming this year. Like just by looking at his game right now and the way he's swinging and the way he sees the ball, I think last year probably helped him like stay healthy. Like that was a big hurdle for him to, to get over was like, okay, he stayed healthy for a full year. And then he was locked in and seeing the ball. And I think maybe that's where the development's coming for a guy like that. Who's always been able to control his own. He's always been able to hit for average, like, or put the ball in play at least. And then like now he stayed healthy. He feels confident. He feels comfortable. I think he's learning his game still because he hasn't been in the big leagues for that long, right? Like the, last no. year was his third year in the majors. I guess he got called up in the COVID, whatever. So, I mean, I think that you're right. There is room for those guys to develop. But as far as projecting out, I mean, you're still yeah. going to project out and you'd still rather have Matt Chapman on your team. 100%. Because, like, like, again, like, just going the, to hit the ball hard. Like, if you, if you hit yeah. the ball hard, like, I, I'm a fan of you. And, like, just think about what I'm we a talked fan about with Yandy mm-hmm. Diaz, where we've been spot on with that one. Where it's like, imagine if Yandy yeah. Diaz can launch because he hits the ball hard. How good of a player can he so be? Hard, he hit yeah. nine homers last year. He hit his fourth today as we sit here on Thursday, you know, in, in 13 games. So it's like, yeah, that, like there's way more examples. Like I could go around and around and around and, and pick out the guys who hit the ball hard. I mean, Matt Chapman has 23 hits already this year. Yandy Diaz has four homers already. Like you could just go around the league and continuously grab these guys who do that, and you're going to find more of them than you are of um, Luis Arias. And I'm, and like to all the older school guys, you know, the Tony Gwynn aficionados, freak of nature, one of a kind. That's why everyone knows his name, Jose Altuve. One of a kind. The guy's five foot six. Not too many five foot six guys are successful at the major league level. It doesn't happen. Like so, to me, it's like there's those are outliers, and there's always gonna be outliers. Yeah, and I, I think the best way I'd say it is, Luis Arias is a lot more Adam Frazier than he is correct Jose Altuve. And that's like again, like I think he can outperform. Like that's a. I think spectrum. he's better than I'm Adam Frazier. Like range. that's yeah, yeah. I'm giving yeah. you a range, but people that's, forget that in 2021, Adam Frazier hit above 300, and he was traded at the deadline to the Padres from the Pirates because he was hitting like 340 with barely uh with below 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 league average batted ball profile 85. And I literally is the number on that. Yeah, average exit velocity. Yeah. Like and, and Luis Arias, <laughs> I believe, is at 87 right now. Right. And like you said, Adam Frazier that year, his expected batting average, for those of you who don't know what that means, meaning what the ball – like to, on average what that ball turns into. Yeah. 288. And that's a guy who hit – what did he hit that yeah. year? 315? He ended the year hitting 315? He, th- he hit so like, 303 because I had a bet so at the midseason so that he would hit points. under 300. Yeah, yeah, 15 points. Like that's that's drastic. You're adding yeah. – like well, when, you're, no. when you're 15 points above your expected, like you're having – and that ha- – but year to year that can happen. So if you take it in a vacuum, like super val- – how valuable was Jeff McNeil to the Mets last year? Extremely. Huge. But when you want to when you want to project out and look at, okay, what's it going to be year over year, I think we're in agreement where it's harder to, to like those guys. Yeah, it's just I'm going to guarantee – if I'm going to die on a hill of guaranteeing success for a guy, it's going to be the guy that hits the ball harder. Now, if you could combine, like you said, like Yandy Diaz, where they don't strike out and they mash baseballs, it's like, huh, this guy could win an MVP. And like, yeah, if Luis Arias was putting balls in average exit velocity at 92, 
he'd be competing for MVPs, but he'd also be hitting for more power. Um, you know, and just to kind of put just a damper on the conversation, he still has a pretty massive gap between his expected WOBA and his WOBA. You know, he's right. sitting at a 540 WOBA with a 391 expected WOBA. That 391 is still up from last year, but it's still it's still not in comparison to what and again, maybe there is a knack for hitting it where they're not. I don't believe that. I, I don't because it's the MLB and the pitchers are so good. So um, I'm going to kind of torch myself on this one uh, because it's definitely one that um, by putting it on a recorded platform, I'm definitely giving myself, making myself vulnerable. But, you know, video had come out during the spring of Jared Kellenic hitting and I was not impressed. I think from the videos that were that surfaced in, in batting practice, at least they look forced. It looked robotic. It looked just unnatural. Um, he was force feeding balls the other way. Now, big picture wise, obviously a lot of hindsight in, in this scenario, it was obviously him just working on keeping his bat in the hitting zone for a lot longer. It's what I've seen guys. It's the real versus feel conversation. You watch a guy like Joey Votto take batting practice and it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look pretty. It's not exactly what you would say is a picture S display of BP with backspun balls off the batter's eye, but it allowed those movements and those thought processes allowed Jared Kalanick to quite frankly grow into the hitter that we're seeing that is more in line with the second overall prospect. So I'm definitely going to take the bait on that one because I texted it to Dan and Colin and said, Colin, have a game plan for him because he's going to be in AAA this year. So you want to really feel like an idiot. <laughs> we can expose myself there. Uh, but right now he's rocking with a 96th percentile hard hit percentage, 92nd percentile barrel percentage, 98th percentile expected WOBA, 93rd percentile average exit velocity, 99th percentile expected slugging. So, and his expected stats are actually better than his Wobo currently. So he's sitting at a 503 expected Wobo with a 470 actual Wobo. So he is by no means struggling. He is raking right now. Yeah, he looks fantastic and um, really good job by the Mariners of being patient and building in some fail safes for him. Like they're protecting him still a little bit. And as they probably should, as he continues to get comfortable, because, you know, when you kind of look at just the human being side of things, like he's got confidence right now that you've been dying for him to have at this level. So continue to protect him until you're sure that it's going to, you know, at least be consistent. And it might not always look this good um, just because he swings and misses a lot, which is fine. But if, you know, if he's going to hit the ball as hard as he is and he's going to continue to lift it, like he can hit 260 and still pump 25 of them. And that's like you're yeah. thrilled because for a minute there, like you said, there was a thought that, oh, man, this guy's never going to be able to do it. But again, it's being patient with the prospect and putting them in positions to succeed. How often do you and I talk about that? Like put guys in positions to succeed. The Mariners, I feel like, have done a great job with him. They haven't put I don't feel like they put too much pressure on him. They haven't, you know, they've continued to just, instead of letting them rot in the big leagues, like how many teams would you see just trying to make them work through this at the big league level the last couple of years? And it would have really, I think it would have really stunted his development because instead he could go to AAA, he could continue to find success just because he's probably a little too talented for that level, right? Because 
For a long time, he looked like a 4A guy. He was too talented to be at that level, but he was struggling at the big league level. They continued to let him work. He clearly made some adjustments. Like you said, he was, I think, keeping the bat in the zone, finding that contact, like finding, okay, I can put this ball in play, right? That's the other thing. Like when you then talk about guys growing, especially when you talk about power hitters growing, it's like, what ball can I do the most damage on? Like, I think that's some of what you were seeing a little bit in spring training too. And he's come out and he's been fantastic. And they they brought in AJ Pollock to be there in case things didn't work out and to be able to be a platoon guy with him. So, hey, there's a tough lefty on the mound. Like, don't even sit here and watch, hang out. We got a guy who mashes lefties, who's played at an all-star level in his career to be there. Like, that's just a really good job. If you want to know how you can let guys grow and be patient, because we talk about it all the time, it's so hard to, there is no such thing as a surefire prospect. Wander Franco is like the closest thing we've seen to it in a long time. And and even he took like, you know, there was some injury there and there was like, what do you expect? What are you going to get? Because there's so much hype around these guys. Like, let him grow. They did a great job. They were patient with him. They didn't force feed it. They tried to have him up to start the last two years. It didn't go well. They quickly got him back down into AAA. It helps a lot the city he plays in. No one's paying attention to the Mariners except for people like you and I and the, the, the great fan base they have there. But this isn't New York. This isn't Philly. This isn't Boston. This isn't Chicago. Like he can, it's not even St. Louis. They're crazy a little bit too, where it's like, Go be in the minor leagues. It didn't like we gave you three weeks to a month. We'll call you back up if we need you. He and he did some nice things at the end of last year. You saw it. Like they brought him up when they had some guys go down. I think it was Teoscar was on the IL. He came up towards the end of last year after the All Star break. He did some nice things. He still wasn't making enough contact. Look, I just think they did a good job. I'm super excited because again, this was the number two overall prospect. This was a guy who you knew the talent was there. We had seen it. We knew he could be a power guy. We knew he could be a guy who could do damage at the plate and be a really good bat for them. And and like to see this start, and again, with everything we're talking about still, like all these teams are 13 games in and everything could be flipped on its head by Memorial Day. But just for right now, like let's give him his flowers because this is something that like Mariners fans and, and people in the baseball you know sphere like us have been waiting to see for three years now. Yeah, I think and and that's the balance of it all. Like, is this guy, if he becomes a power hitting, high swing and miss, 250, 260 guy who can pump 30 if he plays every year, is that what you expect from the number two prospect who was traded for Edwin Diaz? Maybe not. Maybe not. But in terms it's of Kyle the Schwarber. value he's brought well, in terms of the value he brought in the last two years, you're fired up for this guy to be what he is, right? Because progress is not linear in any stretch of that. So by abandoning ship and thinking that this guy has to be, that's why prospect rankings and all that stuff is a problem in my mind because Jared Kellenick's progression and value in the big leagues, if he was not ranked as a top 100 prospect ever, ever and he did this people would be like this guy's amazing this guy's a superstar yeah like look at jose ramirez right he's an mvp caliber player but because he was never valued by the prospect ranking industry it makes his persona so much more but when you have a second overall prospect fail and struggle because progress is not linear the industry just immediately abandoned shit and they go oh this guy's will never figure it out 
Well, I just think that that's why you have to weigh everything, right? Like you can't just put everything in it. Like we see things so much in a vacuum, right? Like even taking, for example, now, like we're taking his success so far, like it's in a vacuum, it's 13 games. We're taking team success right now in a vacuum because it's 13 games and we talk about it so much. So like for us, that's what it is when in, in reality, like you have to look at the landscape of everything. Right. So, yeah, like it's important to put value on because they are assets at the end of the day, right, to these organizations. So it's important to put value on them before they get there. So you know what you're working with. You know what you have. You have to be able to to put a ranking on guys. But like you said, like once they get into the big leagues, like throw the rankings out the window because sometimes it, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you look at a, you turn on a major league game and on the field, there are prospects that were ranked in the top 10 and there are prospects that came out of nowhere like. So once it gets into um, that area, you kind of have to take everything on the whole. Now, as far as 260 with 30 pumps, is that what you would take out of the number two prospect? Like, yes, because if he's going to do that year over year, like, yeah, that's a win for me because of how volatile those guys can be. Also, the guy standing next to him in center field makes that pit, like, makes it a lot easier to swallow. You know what I mean? Like, they, they hit on Julio. For all intents and purposes, as we see it right now, like Julio Rodriguez was exactly what he was billed to be. He could be the next big superstar in the game of baseball. He can win multiple MVPs. He can lead them where they need to go. So, yeah, you don't need Jared Kalnick just because he was a number two prospect in right field to be that guy. So that kind of helps it where you're like, yeah, that was the Kalnick thing was great. Worth Edwin Diaz. Yeah, reliever, like you say all the time, relievers are replaceable. I'll take the guy who hits 260 and hits 30 pumps every year, and you can have Edwin Diaz. Like, I'll, I'll, find myself an Andres Munoz. Yeah. And I think again, like it's, it's just my whole point of that is that these guys are, it's so easy when they're in AAA to say like Jared Kalanick, he has a 60 grade hit tool. He has 60 grade power. Right. He's a 55 runner and he plays great defense. And like 60 grade hitter with 60 grade power to me is 300 around 290 with 30 home runs, right? Like it's so easy to like, you give me a 60 hitter and a 60 power. Like that's a guy who competes for MVPs, quite frankly, on a year, year in and year out basis when they reach their peak in terms of the, the prospect world. Cause you don't throw eighties or seventies on many guys. No. And that's my point. It's like 60 is like, like very, very high to, to pag a guy as a 60 hitter is like high in the industry because but don't you, you don't think that throw out seventies. Don't you think it, it's important though to va- like put a valuation on them? What do you mean? Like, what else would you do? Like, well, you have to do that, right? You have to. No, like, you have look to do it. it. I'm not. I'm just saying that in terms of what that would be a power hitting, like kind of like you don't envision like people don't ta- tag Kyle Schwarber as a 60 grade hitter is what I would no. say. I do because I think he has value, but like. It's probably seventy grade power with like sixty grade hit, but because there's that two fourteen next to his name, that people don't value that hit tool as much. Is what I'm but kind my, of trying to say. Yeah, I, I and I guess for me, when I'm just looking at it and going back to your point of like prospect rankings are a problem, I think they're only a problem depending on how much you value them. If I sat in my, if I was running a team and I sat in my office and I only looked at prospect rankings and that's how I decided everything, then yeah, there's an issue there. But understanding the value of the assets that you have 
and putting an, a marker on it to see, okay, this is what we expect this guy that he could be, right? Because when you, to me, when I hear prospect ranking, like there's the ceiling. It's not a surefire thing. Like this is the ceiling. Like oh, the ceiling it is for Kelnick could still be that. We don't know. It hasn't turned out that way. But there's also a floor somewhere in there. How high is the floor compared to how high the ceiling is? That's where it gets tricky. And you're never going to be able to quantify that because so many, there's so well, many things outside of being able to project that could affect it. So, like, to me, it's like, yes, this is good to put a value on this, but we have to be, under, be able to understand when they get to the big league level, it's not always a surefire thing. Well, and because my problem with prospect rankings is not with the industry. It's with the perception to the public. Correct. And the uh, the unrealistic expectations that prospect rankings label players as. So right. that's kind of my whole point. I have no no. It's our issue with Anthony Volpe. industry. Yeah, it's the exact same thing, and it's just you're right. And I know Baseball America has started to trend in this more direction of like ceiling versus floor, right? Of and tools. they continue to update. Like it, he's which is- got he's got a seventy ceiling, but he's got a thirty five floor. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that is a realistic outcome for a lot of guys, and we've seen it. Like mm-hmm. we can go through the prospect rankings till we're blue in the face of ten years past back, history, and we could just yeah, of just guys that were pegged as potential superstars, and really they were potential superstars that never make it out of a ball. I mean, like there's a lot of guys that that don't even progress anywhere. I mean, Kevin Maiton was the number one signing, and he was compared to the next Chipper Jones when he was signed by the Braves, and it was like. And he never he never stepped foot on a big league field. I mean, look the um, you can do it. You can go around and around yeah. and around. I mean, yeah, we could go. Guys we could, we could do it all I mean, day. You know who the next guy that's going to be in danger of that is? Is Ethan Salas? How talked about is he? He's sixteen yeah, years old. Already. Think about the things that can already. happen from being sixteen to the time he gets ready to be in the big well, leagues. Like Jason Dominguez so too. Jason Dominguez, right? And like people and Dominguez were calling, has shown people in were spring training, like. Right. Well, they were calling I him know, up. but like people were out on him because he was only hitting 260 with like 15 homers and 25 steals in A ball at like 12 years he's old. 19 years old. Yeah. He's physically a freak that doesn't directly correlate. And that's what they were saying is like the scout look on these guys is a lot different than like the actual like on field production. Um, but that again, like we don't, we don't have to go into too much detail here on, on that. So, uh, we do want to give a couple guys, more guys, some flowers, um, before we get into, uh, a little bit of a different discussion. So obviously you mentioned him earlier in the podcast, Matt Chapman, right? The breakout. I mean, it's for real. I think Matt Chapman had a down 2021. The blue Jays came in and swooped him up for, uh, no big leaguers, probably. I'm just saying that off the top of my head. I don't actually know if they, they've they got a, what the return was. We talked um, about the but, return. I forget at this point. Yeah. yeah, but no better time for Matt Chapman to do this with him becoming a free agent at the end of the year. I mean, outside of uh, Shohei Otani, you're talking about probably even before this power surge and the, before this you know, elite start to a season was the best position player. It's a weak position player group that's going to hit free agency this year. But if he continues to show what he's shown so far this year, like this dude's going to get paid. 
Yeah, and I mean, what's funny too is like everyone thought he had a bad last. Like, uh, 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 he was awful last year. I've heard that. Um, and like he wasn't yeah, very good that. last year, and that was a bust of a trade. And it's like, well, if you look at his year over year, like in, he had the same amount of home runs as he did in twenty one. He struck out thirty two less times. He had added twelve doubles. He OPS one hundred and twenty one. He was a one fourteen last year. I mean, his his. His average exit velocity was up. His max exit velocity was right about the same. He stopped hitting the ball in the air, just like he even he flattened out a little bit more. More line drives. He was at you know fifteen point six. His, his barrel percentage was up. His expected batting average was better. His expected slug was better. Like he got better um, than he was in twenty one, and then he comes out this year and like he's really flattened out. He's really hitting the ball hard. I mean, the guy has an expected batting average of four twelve and expected slug of eight sixty two. He's tops in the league in every category. His baseball savant page is basically red. Um, so I, I mean, he's surprisingly the only place that it's blue is outs above average. That's above average. He's an elite defen- defender too. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I think, probably a, it's early type of thing. Because, yeah. you know, defense is like you make one bad play in 13 yeah. games and, like, you are you find yourself in that category because there's probably 15 guys who have made every routine play. Anyway, um, I, this is the talent. This is the guy that, that, that the A's had for all those years that people used to call one of the best, you know, talked and put him in the conversation with Nolan Arenado. And this is the guy yeah. who he can be. And, like, the strikeouts are always going to be there, but – Again, if you hit the ball really hard, your probability of, of success goes way up than if you're not. And yes, of course, you want to put the ball in play and striking out 200 times is, is can be frustrating as a fan. But if, if you cut down on the strike, like he was you know, down around 175 strikeouts, the way he's hitting right now, that's going to go down even more. He's putting the ball in play hard. He's hitting it on the line, which is carrying out. Like He looks great. He's locked in. And like you said... This is the time to do it because he'll get himself a paycheck from somebody. Yeah, and and the strikeouts is such an interesting point because what's so impressive about what Matt Chapman's always done is like surprisingly, I think this would surprise a lot of people because it kind of surprised me. Is like he's hovered around fifty percent hard hit percentage like his whole career. Like he's yeah. really never dipped that low. Uh, maybe early when he was a rookie, he was at like forty, but. Through his time with Oakland, even in the down years, like even last year, he was like top third percentile in hard hit percentage. It's always been around 50%. And obviously it's up this year considering he's averaging 98.8 through 13 games, which is absurd. And he has a 67.6% hard hit rate, but his whiffs are down. So while the Ks, yes, have always been there, it's an encouraging sign and confidence is a drug especially in baseball and especially with a bat in your hand so i don't want to put too much stock in a guy who's shown that he strikes out a lot um showing but he's 68th percentile in whiffs so he's cut down on the whiffs through 13 games and again that could be a confidence thing that might not be necessarily a a developmental thing but if you're talking about a guy who can be 50th percentile in whiff and not lose any hard hit percentage there, like with his defensive capabilities at a position of value, that's really good. And Roger Center, side note, looks gorgeous right now. It looks they awesome. Fantastic it looks, job. Oh, it looks but that so park good. is going to play a lot smaller this year. 
from the sounds of it and the way it's playing right now, you're talking about a guy who's going to push 35, 40 homers with elite defense if he can just cut down on the strikeouts. Is a he too? Bit. Is he too streaky to say that this early on that like he could be? He, he's looking like the type of player that's going to be in the MVP conversation. Well, it's just a matter of maturation, and if he's grown into the hitter that he is, maybe he kicks the streakiness label. Like, is that out so, of the realm of the possibility? Like, no, I put I not for what he's shown through the first two Austin weeks. Riley. Well, and right. even Austin Riley, that's like, we think exactly about who I'm thinking he of. Was and it was a you peaks and valleys. I mean, I remember. I maybe this was just because. I wasn't paying enough attention, but it was like kind of like Austin Riley felt a lot like Adam Duvall to me, which is a guy who's yes. also raking where like, cause they were on the same Braves team, if I'm not mistaken, for yes. a stretch, he didn't yep. play every day, yep. but like could be a flash in a pan power guy. And then now we talk about Austin Riley, like he's one of the best players in baseball candidate. because he yeah. is. And it's like, it was that step forward and the maturation of Matt Chapman, who's a little bit older than Austin Riley was when he took that step forward. It's it's possible. It 100% is possible for him to, like I said, if he get, cuts down to 50th percentile whiff rate rather than being tops in the league and in, in what his strikeout numbers were over the last couple of years, I mean, at, with the barring uh, understanding that there is no drop-off in hard hit rate or at least a small drop-off in hard hit rate, like, you're talking about a guy who's going to hit 280 with 35 home runs. Probably, I could guarantee that. And in that lineup, he's going to drive percentage. in. He'll drive in over 100 120. Yeah, yeah, no he's doubt. That with the no guys doubt. that so, hit, hit in that lineup with him, they'll be on base constantly for him. Yeah. So uh, a couple other guys here that we want to talk about. So Alec Baum, uh, definitely the Kevin Long effect is is alive and well. Um, it's something we've spoken about. Uh, several times here um he's up on hard hit percentage he's always been a guy who can put uh barrel to baseball it was just a little bit inconsistent but his barrel percentage is up to the 78th percentile at 13.9 percent i believe that was closer to uh seven percent last year um so it's definitely a nice to see his launch angles actually down this year which makes sense because it just means that he's not mishitting as many baseballs. So, so far, what have you seen quickly uh, with Alec Baum? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with exactly what we talked about in spring training when we talked about him a little bit at length of just like you can tell that he's understanding what pitches you can do damage on. And, um, you know, he was a guy who could always get to everything. And so he would – he had the tendency to swing early and, and not do any damage with it just because he could get to it. Now he's much more patient and – um, he's partying out in front with the bat head on pitches that he can do damage with. And it's as simple as that because he's always been a guy who not necessarily walk, but can control at bats. He knows the zone well, and he can get to so much stuff that, um, you know, you, the hit tool was always there. So you just see him looking like a mature hitter, a guy who's been in the league now, and he's amassed over, you know, 1,500 at bats or whatever it is. And, you know, he understands uh, – what he can do with certain pitches and, and when it's a time to go and be aggressive. Um, but he's, yeah. he's off to a great start. I mean, this is exactly what we saw in spring. He's carried it over. No doubt. And as, as a good friend of the pod, Dave McTaggart said on his podcast, this is the guy that was drafted number three overall, which right. in, in NBA terms that matters in baseball terms, it really doesn't, but the, the talent has always been there. 
Um, so uh, there's definitely some truth to the fact that a guy that was taken number three overall is definitely tooled up. Um, it was just a matter of rounding into form. Um, and it seems like he's starting to do that. And the last guy that I definitely want to give some credit to is a guy that burst onto the scene and then kind of just has dealt with injuries. Really, quite frankly, he's dealt with injuries through the minor leagues. So um, that is something that is a concern. Um, but uh, is Luis Robert, Louis Robert, Luis Robert. I feel like I've called him. That's how I like to say it. End. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, my favorite way of saying it. Luis name. Robert. Yeah, it like rolls off the tongue yeah. better. It's more it fun does. To say. It does. I feel like I, I I just go back and forth like Louis Robert or Luis <laughs> Robert. Like it's no in between. So I, I can see. I'm a strictly Luis Robert guy. Yeah. yeah. So um, he literally has not walked this year, um, and he has an eighth percentile <laughs> chase rate, which I I put in the notes here uh, that will catch up to him at some point. Cough, cough, Javier Baez. Uh, if anybody wants to go check out a a summer's day on a baseball savant page, it's it's all the blue and, and sunshine and uh, blue skies on Javier Baez's baseball savant page. But he's always been a top of the league max exit velocity guy, Louis Robert, that is, um, at 97th percentile and 85th percentile barrel percentage. He's a dynamic defender and obviously a dynamic speed guy as well. Yeah, you kind of said like this is a guy that you salivate over just because of the build and the athleticism, and like this is a a guy you buy a ticket to go see. Like he has that; that's his ceiling. And he's one of the special players where it's like he's so tooled up that you would buy a ticket just to go watch this guy play. And you know who like a, a fellow Cuban back when he broke in, like Yasiel Puig, like worth when Puig first broke in, it was like worth the price of admission to just go watch Puig play. Cause he, he could, he had a missile of an arm. He could run. He was huge, just chiseled, looked like he could be a fo- a linebacker. Like that's how Luis Robert is. And it's just like, to your point, like just stay healthy for once. Cause like he's put when he's stayed healthy for stretches, he's put together really good stretches of baseball and offense. And, um, it is going to catch up to him, the free swinging thing, uh, which is strange because I feel like it hasn't been this drastic in the, in the past, to be honest with you. I mean, he's never been a huge walk guy, um, but he's, he's, he's never been a huge strikeout guy either. Um, but he always has hit the ball hard and, and, you know, I would expect him to start. This is another guy, like if he can stay on the field, and he can get more experience taking at bats. He can start to understand how to walk and how to, to manipulate the zone and do damage on on pitches that um, are over the plate, uh, similar to Alec Baum, right? Like, and if he does, like you're talking about a guy who can do serious damage. I know that you think that he's never going to be able to to rein that in, but I just think I'm holding out hope that if he could stay healthy, he could rein it in. Yeah, I just I make that faith face because guys who have a tendency to expand to the point of what he expands at, that's very, very, very hard to break and still be productive because you're breaking I mean, we look at Javier Baez and like, yeah, sure, you could sit there and tell him not to swing, but that's not who Javier Baez is and that's not what made him successful. And obviously now he's failed to the point of being, you know, a below average major leaguer, but 
it's just it's hard to get those guys to stop. And I actually started to think about it was is it a information processing thing? Is yes. it a visual thing? Is it a it, there there are so many things that I think go into guys that that the game seems fast on, right? Like you see some of the balls that that these guys swing at and you're like why would you even think about like Javier Baez chasing a, a 12-6 curveball that bounces at 56 feet? And you're like, like, how do your hands even move? Like, and then you watch these other guys that like control the strike zone, just like the Juan Sotos and the Harpers of the world that are just like spit on balls an inch off and the game moves slow. And I just wonder if it's a, a visual thing, a mental processing thing, a ten, like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do think there is something more than just like, Hey, don't chase those pitches. It's like, yeah, dude, like you don't think Javier Baez has tried that? Like, thanks oh, very much. Sure. Like onto the next hitting coach. And I'm not saying you're saying that I'm just saying like bigger picture. When you look at player development wise, I'm sure there's a visual aspect and a process information processing thing that goes into play when you, when you talk about guys that do have a tendency to expand the strike zone the way these guys do, because it's almost like a, it, it's like an illness when you watch Javier Baez. It's like, he can't stop. You're like, like he knows that the ball is not like, like I said, if, if I texted you this, I said, if, if Javier Baez didn't swing for two weeks, like he would walk every at bat. Like if he did what Miguel Vargas did this spring training where he's like hurt and he didn't swing the bat, like Javier Baez would be great for two weeks because no pitcher's going to be like, I'm not throwing him a strike. Like, why would I? Cause he could jump ship on you at any moment. But, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, with Robert, it's, it's definitely something that he's going to be that dynamic player. He's a stud. I mean, he looks like Bo Jackson. Um, the, the average of the league is not like Bo Jackson was a unicorn in a league where nobody lifted weights. Now everybody lifts weights. And I'm sure if they stood side to side when they played, they'd be of similar build. Um, yeah. they play a very athletically driven, uh, game power first, you know, try to hit the ball a mile, throw the ball hard, stuff like that. So he's definitely a fun guy to watch. But uh, any closing thoughts on some guys that uh, obviously are starting off the year swinging the bat pretty well? I think what I'll say about – the last thing I'll say about Robert is, is I just want to see him stay healthy, and I think that's where I'm holding out. Yes, definitely. We haven't seen him be healthy enough to, like, make – he, he doesn't have enough of a sample size yet for me still to be like, okay, this is just who he is. Now – What's he trending yeah. like is you're right, like more like the bias. And I also think that as stupid as some of these comments are sometimes, like there is an art to baseball and baseball is a very skill-driven game when you look at guys like Soto and in, in, in that sense of like understanding the pitches and two. And sometimes those super athletically gifted guys that are so twitchy and so athletic that like they are just like pedal to the metal because that's how they've always been. Because when you're a premier athlete, like that's what you want to do. And we talk about Bo Jackson, right? Talking about playing a sport like football and baseball, like football, it's like pedal to the metal. Yeah. There's a lot of technique and skill, but like, it's like brute force is a lot of football. Whereas in baseball, there's a little bit more of an art to it. And I don't buy into that a lot of times, but I think in the case of just looking at the profile of a player, sometimes with those super tooled up athletic guys, because you saw Puig run into the same issues, right? For forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, you know, kind of the issues you can run into. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So one of the other things that we did want to talk about today is obviously what's been kind of the craze across baseball, and it's it's the revival of the stolen base. So a little bit of facts here of the MLB rule changes. You have the bases are four and a half inches closer, um, which 
I think makes a difference. I mean, we look at the big league game that like it's such a game of inches when it comes to the stolen base that like every stolen base, like it's always bang, funny bang. because what's bang bang in college baseball <sighs> is like guys foot hits. He's like starting to stand up tag comes down like all in one motion in professional baseball. The amount of bang bang plays where it's like inches, it's like that's it. Like if a, if that happened, like the comparison of like what's a bang bang play at college baseball it, at the pro level is like he oh he was safe by a mile. mile. So like that's how much of a game of inches is because not only are the catchers elite, not only do the base runners run really fast, but the tags that these guys break off i mean uh, speaking of a guy javi is obviously has the best hands we've ever seen when it comes to this the ability to just take a ball and just take it from waist to ground in like all one motion is just a skill in its own right so that four and a half extra inches that you get on both sides is huge huge for that pickoffs are obviously limited to two per plane appearance i'll tell you what it is Pitchers have never picked off or controlled the running game well in the professional league. Never. I don't never. buy that. That's the reason never. why people are running more. Um, so just your initial thoughts here before we get into to kind of some of the nitty-gritty detail of uh, you know, what what's this has meant. I pitchers have never controlled the running game well, but I disagree with that's not why people are running wild. I think because no, of that, th- it put the idea in teams' heads and they leaned into it. Like, I think people have uh, always thought that, like, throwing over has controlled yes. the running game and, like, it works. But you're yeah, right. Like, stupid. pitchers have never been good at it. Like, how many pitchers and, – and maybe back – today's game, right? Like, the modern game where – how many guys are, like, consciously being quick to the plate? No. None. taught to execute and, but your But that's best what stuff. bothers me. That is what bothers me about this stolen base revival is that it wasn't a matter of these rules being the reason why stolen bases are up. It was the matter of teams refusing to do yes. it. Exactly. It's like that was the difference. And for whatever reason, these rules have increased teams to allow Jorge Mateo to just steal at will. Like that guy brings so much of a different value when you allow him to just run the bases rather than feeling like you're one swing of the bat for a home run away. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. That's what I meant big picture wise of like, it hasn't like you could have done that. There were teams last year that did this. And I think it got started to get out in the community. You saw Isaiah Connor Falefa run a lot more. You saw Glaber Torres in the second half run a lot more. You saw the Orioles deploy guys in different ways. Obviously the guardians, they have guys that can, you know, are more of that contact oriented, you know, steal some base type type players john birdie stole 41 bases last year like there were a lot of guys that took that step forward that i think the industry then started pushing their guys that had really major league average speed and above to like hey like we can really pick up on certain things to allow us to steal more bases that could have been done in 2018 but just weren't because we were so obsessed infatuated with the home run and the ability to swing. You don't want to give up an out stealing second base. And then when the next guy homers. just hit a two-run home run. When the yeah. next guy's going to homer, was, right? And the you, balance. And yep. you still see that, right? You still see the guys who are like – whoever stays in front of Judge in that lineup, uh, 
Aaron Boone shuffles it a good bit, like you, they're not going to run that much, right? Like you're not going to see them run all the time just because um, Aaron Judge is liable to go deep on any pitch. Like, oh, boom, like that, this this game changes. And I still think you're going to have some of that. I, I do love that, like, it's being smart, right? Like it's almost like I, I come back to football, right? Like having the personnel and knowing how to deploy it, right? If you have a really good yeah. – you know, run blocking offensive line with an elite running back, you run the ball like more than you throw it. You don't sit back there and spread it out and, and throw all the time. If you have below average receivers, right? It's the same thing. Like what the diamondbacks are doing and why this rule change, it took them to do that. But like, go run wild. Like Arizona, you don't have a lot of guys in your, you don't, how many guys in Arizona's lineup have hit 30 home runs in their career? Christian, Walker. three, three of them, right? Marte Walker and Evan Longoria. Has Marte hit 30 home runs? I think he did a couple years ago. Can we get stats and info on it real quick? I, I think it. he might have. But anyway, my, my point is, is just like, so go run. Go run wild. Put pressure on teams and go steal bases because you're not going to leave the yard a league leading enough to – you're not going to slug to keep up, especially in that division, enough to, to do anything um, – you know, to, to stay in it and, and compete. But if you go and run wild because you've built this super athletic roster with guys like Jake McCarthy and Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas, like, Cattell Marte moves really well. Like, go do it. Go run wild. Luis Perdomo. Luis? Is that his first name? Like, you might as well. Like, no, it's Geraldo. It's smart. Geraldo, Geraldo Perdomo. Perdomo. Luis was the pitcher. Um, do you have Cattell Marte? Uh, yeah, so he had 31 in the cheat code year. Or thirty in the, okay. in the cheat code year, but still so, he's thirty. He's not a power hitter. He's not. No, like, and my, my point it, was like, they don't have enough power Christian hitters Walker. anyway. Yeah, he's hit thirty. Christian Walker is the only guy in their lineup that that can really challenge a. So challenge like what? Pole. And um, and you still don't think of Christian like he's not a preeminent power. It's not Aaron Judge. So like go ahead and run in front of Christian Walker. Go ahead and run in front of all these guys. Do it because like. Now, if you do hit a double or a single, now you got guys in scoring position. It, it's a different, it, you know, it brings a different value to your roster. And like, I like that. Be multiple. Be multiple. Be able to. Well, like, I think- this is what my personnel is. I'm gonna, you know, try and maximize it. Well, and I think the most important thing there is we've talked about how hard it is to string together hits in the big leagues. So. What has to be even more demoralizing now that I think about it when you're trying to put together an inning and score runs, which is the name of the game, is when you have a guy who can steal second base, right? A mile straw on first base. And you don't push the needle, even in front of a guy who can hit for power. You don't push the needle and try to get him to second base. And then that guy, let's just say Aaron Judge, it's not like he only hits home runs. No. What if right. he goes freaking line drive to left that takes the left fielder to the left center field gap? And instead of Miles Straw going first to third, he goes second to home. To home. Yeah. Right? Like the value of that extra base, now the single is even more in play to be productive more than it is hey, let's just hope and pray that we can get three singles off of Max Scherzer, right? You're a 
a legitimate like walk and a bloop away with a stolen base between the two from scoring a run now. And like, it's about manufacturing runs as best as possible and being able to get that extra base. It matters not to mention it now brings value to these guys that have been undervalued for, for quite frankly, the past 10 years. Jorge Mateo was a top prospect. He was traded for Sonny Gray in the, from the Yankees to the Oakland Athletics. You have guys like John Birdie, Miles Straw, who I've mentioned a couple times here. Those guys don't hit doubles. They don't hit home runs. No. They occasionally no. sprinkle in some extra base hits there. But what people are forgetting is, what were you told in Little League, Dan? A single and a steal is as good as what? A double. A double. <laughs> so why do we not take these guys that can actually run at an 85 to 90% clip and understand that Jorge Mateo might hit 80 singles this year and walk 40 times? But if he can steal 40 bases, that's like hitting 80 singles and 40 doubles. Right. Right? Obviously, right. if you, you have to get to second, you can't just steal in a 2-2 count. And you can't steal and then the first. the pitcher goes fastball extended. Right. Yeah, well, you can't steal first, definitely. But and then the pitcher goes 3-2, and then your hitter ends up striking out. It has to be early in the count. There's obviously values that come from that is obviously getting as many you know cuts at with the guy at second base. But the point is, is getting that guy to second base provides so much value because it's called scoring position for a reason. Right. Yeah, and I, I think that it it makes sense. And and one thing that has held true with the rule changes is the shift definitely has, you know, a lot more ground balls are getting through. So now the single is back, baby. Like the single is back, right? You're seeing a lot more singles. You're seeing higher averages already to start the year. Luis Rise is hitting 514. Now it's not completely yeah. because of the shift, but it helped. Like the, your the chances of it happening are now greater because you have more space out there on the infield. I, so hate, now to, getting, I hate to be a downer on you, but as a non ground ball advocate, the line drive over the first baseman that falls in the right field is back. The ground balls are still. Out you get what I'm saying. The, singles to, are back. Similar extent, singles are, but the singles are back. Yes, yeah, singles are singles back. are back. Like that's the point here is that singles are back. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's not like so now getting to second base is, you know, your your chances. I think we don't have enough data yet, but I bet at the end of the year your chances of scoring from second base are probably going to go up this year. So stealing yeah. the bag is even more important. Yeah, more important. So, it just makes sense, and 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 why? And again, if you have guys that can do it, then just go do it. Like that's it's it seems simple, and and you know Trey Turner's point of like people expecting Trey Turner to steal fifty bags. Trey Turner wants to play one hundred and sixty games. That will take a toll on your body. Trey Turner doesn't need to s- steal sixty bases to be a valuable player. He's still valuable because of yeah. everything else he brings to the table. But those guys like Jorge Mateo, to your point, like like your value goes through the roof. Like you said, if you're only going to be good for 80 yeah. singles and you can steal 40 bags, now it's like hitting 40 doubles and 40 singles. Yeah. And I'll read that Trey Turner quote. Uh, it was in an article with The Athletic. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of just the enigma of of Trey Turner. I think he's three for three at this point, um, if I'm not mistaken. I, so. I know I think he yeah. got a couple of bags. I know there was a, a point last week where he had zero. But Turner came out and said, like I've said in the past, I can steal a ton. But for me, it's not about stealing the base. It's more about scoring the run. And it's about it's more about being on the field. 
You know, people ask to st- ask me to steal 70 or 100 bases like guys used to do. I don't know how they did it and stayed on the field. So obviously right. that's a big part for a guy who just signed an 11-year deal. Right. If I'm the Phillies and I'm their management, I'm going to be like, dude, like, when you jam your thumb in year one of an 11-year contract and miss 40 games because of it, I'm not going to be happy. So I get I that mean, side of things. Was it I the World Series year where you had to hit with one finger off the bat? Because he had a broken finger, but yeah, refused that was to sit out. Series. Was the World Series year like he's broken mm-hmm. enough fingers that like, and I get that, and even just you know other freak injuries that can happen when you do whether it's a hammy or you slide in feet first and it's an ankle, it's a foot. Like that makes sense to could me. Be anything, yeah, it could be anything. So um, definitely a a something to keep in mind. There is obviously Trey Turner and the people that said he could go forty forty this year, or it was forty forty, right? Chris Young 40, on MLB 60. Network. Wow, well, that, that was 40, 60 was I don't know where you got that from, but Chris Young on MV Network said 40, 40. And I mean, yeah, again, guy we talked about how ridiculous that right. He, he's gonna double his home run total. Like forget well, the he's, 40 he's stolen bases. For, he's good he's on pace to hit zero home runs this year. So good start <laughs> to the year. Um so uh that that pace for 40 40 is definitely on track for for Trey Turner. He only has to hit um average probably a home run every two games at this point the rest of the way. So that's definitely going to happen for a thumper like that. But then I'll ask you this question b- before we let our listeners go uh who's going to be the league leader at this uh at the end of the season and and what are how many stolen bases are they going to have? Oh, I have no idea. I have no clue. I'm not playing that. You game. can't. T- I have no idea. You can't take uh, a guess. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, three hundred and seventy-four. Okay, so to actually do the the exercise, I'm going to go Cedric Mullins, <laughs> and I think he gets fifty fifty-five. So, actually, I'll, uh, do you want me I to think, play along? I, I wonder Sorry. if there's my my thing is is by more curiosity of the question was if you thought anybody could break sixty. I don't think anyone's going to break sixty. I'll play along. I'm sorry. I'll go someone different. Be, of you, Mullins is a good one. I'm going to go Ronnie Acuna, and I'm going to say because he's got more opportunities to steal because he's going to be on base more. And I'll go. You said fifty five, so I'm not going to be quite that many. I'll say Ronald Acuna ends up with fifty one and leads leads the league in stolen bases. You didn't like right my now we're 374. On, That's fair. The league leaders right now are on pace for 80 plus. Yeah. Do you think they're going to continue? So, Do you think they'll continue at that pace? I don't know if Mateo's I mean, going like to base. I mean, yeah, I don't know, you maybe. Can't steal first ultimately. Um I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby Witt pushed 60. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, obviously, the Orioles have a, a, a want and a desire to run. Acuna, obviously, kind of seems like he's going to want to do that. So, those guys that have proven to get on base at a 360, 370, 380 clip in a career or have the capabilities of doing it, I, I don't know. I don't think 60 is out of the question. I think it's I I put it at like hitting 40 plus homers. It's like everything's got to break right. You got to be healthy. You got to be consistent. You can't go two weeks without a bag. You can't have an eat. You can't be playing through a hamstring. Like and you can't can't go through a cold again. You can't throw go through a cold. Yeah, you can't get you exactly. You got everything's which is why right. 
why I would but lean towards think, a guy like Acuna yeah. who gets on base nonstop. Like, yeah, I think I think sixty steals is more likely than us seeing sixty home runs like we did last. Like, I think uh-huh. sixty-two home runs from Correct. Judge last year is more impressive. Kind of is kind of the way I'm saying, or is less likely than us seeing a sixty stolen base guy this year. Um, yeah, like I know Judge makes everything look like a little league park, but I think there is some uh, some truth to the fact that uh, you're going to talk about you know, everything breaking right. Hit yeah, 60. exactly. Everything has to go right for that guy to hit sixty, and and for stealing sixty bags, I think it would be. It doesn't seem as crazy to me because I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head how many times guys are on base, but like you're talking about oh, guys walk over a hundred times, and then that's not factoring how many hits they have. Um, right. So we know we hear two hundred hits. So like you just have to be very aggressive, and I think it is possible. So it'd be interesting to see. But any any closing thoughts on that? No. It's it's fun. I, I mean, it's enjoyable to watch guys run. Yeah, definitely. I think it's. I I'm glad it's brought a, a good element to the game, um, and it's definitely been uh, been enjoyable to watch. So, uh, but that'll be all for this episode of the podcast. Obviously, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing with five friends. Any share helps the podcast grow. Um, five star reviews on wherever you get your podcast helps obviously as well. Uh, we're super excited for our partnerships with SeatGeek and BetterHelp. So, um, if anybody's in the market for any tickets, SeatGeek is your live ticket, dis- whatever the word would be. Um, um, now I just hit a wall. Um, deployer of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Just botch that up completely. Um, But obviously get your seat geek. Yeah, live event needs. um, And then BetterHelp, 100% online therapy. Obviously, it's huge for anybody who's interested. Use Go to betterhelp.com slash backside ground balls. But until next time, we'll see you guys on the next podcast. Great news. Major League Baseball is back the college baseball season continues to electrify and with the help of our friends over at seat geek we can get you out to whatever game you want to see all you need to do is head over to seat geek find your game you want to go to and enter promo code backside ground ball to get 20 dollars off your first purchase maybe you want to go see some nba or nhl playoffs i don't know maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country no matter what event you're looking to go to our friends at seat geek can hook you up with the best deals great seats at an affordable price you can't beat it make sure to enter promo code backside ground ball for twenty dollars off that's seatgeek.com promo code backside ground ball